Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2021 here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I am your host, and our podcast would not be complete without the man, the myth, the legend, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. <laughs> welcome, everyone, to a wonderful new year. Last year was super stressful, such disruptions, but God has been faithful, and we're learning so many things about ourselves. We're learning how resilient we are as people. We are learning how tough we are. And I'd like to say that I believe that 2020 showed us that the year of the snowflake went down in flames. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> like that. I like that little pun, you know, uh, yeah. snowflake, flames, all that. Flames, all yeah, that. just uh, the notion that we are weak people in that. Uh, we're incapable of rising to the challenge. I mean, some of the things that have happened over the last year, I have seen some of the toughest, most resilient, uh, some of the most incredible discoveries and innovations coming out of human beings and dealing with these disruptions. So I'm saying I believe in you. I believe in what God is going to do through us and I'm very excited about all of the new things that we're going to discover about who we are and we're meant to be. Well, and this is such a great place to do it because that was kind of the reason we created this podcast was the opportunity to really deep dive into some biblical truths, um, really put some thought into what we believe, because as you like to say, what you believe about yourself is the most <laughs> important thing. So, yes, it is. Yes, and it that's, is. That's what this is all about. Fluff isn't enough anymore. Um, so... We just started uh, a brand new series last Sunday titled Seven Rules for Life. Um, and you preached that. I've heard great things. I loved it. I, I, I went through and clipped out a bunch of sections of it that we're going to repost later. But um, that's good. You started it <laughs> off and we're, we're studying the book of Galatians. And, and you're actually taking this week off, which is why you're coming to us. For those of you who aren't watching on YouTube, we're doing a Zoom call because, you know, we wanted to throw back to 2020. We missed it so much. We decided to <laughs> Um, but you're actually taking the week off. And so we're doing this over Zoom, but Pastor Harv's preaching this week, right? Yeah, Pastor Harv is going to be uh, preaching and he's going to be focusing on Galatians chapter two, verses one through 10. We'll dig into that in a moment. And it's just about how uh, we need to figure out not only what we believe, because last week we talked about you know, the, let me back up for a second. There's rules in life that if you violate these rules, then your life will go completely off track. And so what we're doing is Galatians is about some of these really, really important rules. It's not about the little rules. You know what I'm saying? Like you take your shoes off when you go into somebody's house uh, in traffic, you know, is it polite to let somebody in or not? Um, you know, stuff like that. Those are great rules. But what I'm talking about are the most important life rules. And that's what uh, Paul reveals in the book of Galatians. And the first rule of life is never forget your purpose. You know, if you forget your purpose, you forget why you are on the face of the earth. If you forget that you are created in the image of God, uh, if you forget, though, that you're going to struggle with the taint of sin, when you forget all that, your life loses its meaning. It loses its purpose. You will be an aimless. You will be a deceived. You will be a lost person 
flitting here and there by, as Paul says, every wind of doctrine, seeking something to anchor your life on and finding nothing. Jesus talked like this. He said, you can be a person who builds their house upon the sand. And then when the storms come and the winds rage, that house will collapse. And you can be a person who chooses to build their house upon the rock so that when the winds blow and the storms rage, you stand firm. And I think what 2020 showed is so many people have built their house on the sand. And so I want to go through the world today. I want to help people who have built their house upon the sand and they see it in complete wreckage and give to them a truth that allows them to rebuild their house upon the rock. And that rock would be Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Absolutely. So um, on Sunday, we kind of talked briefly about discovering your purpose, which we've talked about um, several times on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the, when we did chapter one of Galatians, that was one of the key points that Paul makes, right? Yes. And then you talked a little bit about the law of Mm -hmm. non-contradiction. You had some great um, examples of when people are uh, trying to justify two things. They want it both ways. I mean, even a funny example was... um, for those listeners, um, Pastor Doug has a youngest son who interns with me, and uh, he he <laughs> injured his wrist while he was skiing um, a while back or last week. And when he came into work the other day, he's I was like, "Are you good?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." He's like, "I was I was playing video games all night." But then during the service, he was missing some stuff, and he's like, "Oh well, it's just really hard without two arms." And I was like, "Well, as your dad <laughs> says." You can have it both ways. Both ways. Either I'm fine <laughs> or I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Yeah. And then I, the, you know, the, the point of that is a very important principle in life. And that is whenever you choose to believe something, you're choosing not to believe something else. And that's really, really important. And what our world is doing is it's lying to people, particularly young people, by telling them, believe whatever you want. And on the surface, that kind of seems like cool. It's like walking into the mall, right? When I, well, I guess when malls were popular, they're not popular <laughs> well, now. Before, but Before COVID. COVID. <laughs> but, you know, like walking into a mall, you know, um, and someone saying, okay, take whatever you want that initially appeals to that side of us, that childish side that says, oh, wow, I want everything, you know? And, um, but what, what you realize is that the reason why the world is telling us that is because in reality, what you believe doesn't mean a thing. Mm. And that's, that's what happens when we lose our purpose is that we start to believe that nothing we do and nothing we think and nothing we believe makes any difference at all. That's a law of non-contradiction. And that's a critical rule. You never want to forget it. And in, in Galatians chapter two, what's interesting is Paul goes a little bit further and he says, it's important to never forget your purpose because the second rule of life that you can never, ever forget is that the world wants to squeeze you into its mold. Mm. And so that's a rule of life. And don't ever forget that one either. Well, why don't we move on to this week's verses? We're in Galatians chapter two, right? Yes. Verses one through 10. 
one through 10. So um, I'm going to read the first like five or so, and then we can kind of break it down. Does that work? Yeah, let's do that. Why don't you go ahead and read them and we'll jump in there. All right. So verse one, Galatians two. Um, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel may be preserved for you. Yeah, verse five is a really critical verse there. I think it's, we did not give in to them. Who is he not giving into? It says the false believers. He said, we didn't even give for a moment. And why did he not? Well, he understood his purpose. See, it, once you forget your purpose, it's easy to be squeezed into conformity with the world. But if you remember your purpose, it's you never have to give in, even for a moment. And what was Paul's purpose? The truth of the gospel would be preserved. So that's what's really significant. Some other points in here that I think are really unique is that you see some references of actual timelines, and you don't get a lot of this in the New Testament. Uh, you know, the book of Luke is great because it's kind of a more of a chronological events happening. The right. book of Acts has a chronology to it, but uh, none of the other books really do. And that's what makes it sometimes a little difficult to understand because we're very, we think in a certain linear way. But what's interesting is Paul, in the last chapter, he said he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then he disappears for three years. Hmm. Then he goes up to Jerusalem, and that's when Barnabas introduces him to Peter and to James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is the lead elder in the church of Jerusalem, who wrote the book of James, and then John, the apostle who wrote the gospel according to John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. So uh, all three of these men, these apostles, were powerful leaders in the church. They were well-known leaders in the church. And Barnabas introduces uh, Paul to them, and then he moves freely for a period of time teaching in Jerusalem. He ends up in a city on the coast called Antioch, and he's there for a very long time, could be as long as 10 years. And then that church sends him out on a missionary journey, the first one that lasted for three years. And then right after that first one, he goes back to Antioch, he's reporting, and then they hear about these Judaizers, these people following after Paul and Barnabas and disrupting the churches. And so... Paul then writes the book of Galatians, and many scholars believe that's when he then travels with Barnabas back to Jerusalem for the very first church council, which is in Acts chapter 15. And in that council meeting, they basically say that the gospel Paul is preaching is the true gospel, and that they are not going to require the Gentiles to convert to Judaism in any way shape or form. 
This is probably one of the biggest doctrinal rocks that the entire Christian church for 2,000 years has been built upon, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, not through a ceremony or the adoption of a religious code or even the Old Testament law. So that's a very significant thing that's happening in the life of the Galatians. Well, and I think it's very interesting that, you know, that's what, 14 years total, roughly. And yeah. then it's also happening, you know, again, like we like this chronology. It's like the, you always, like in my head, it's always like, okay, well, the book of Acts happens and then all these other things happened after that. But what you're saying is they think that this letter to the Galatians yeah. was actually during, you know, overlap. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, that's also kind of like, I think it's just, you know, a, from being young, you're like, okay, these things happen in this order, kind of the Old Testament yeah. laid out similarly, right? Like, it's pretty chronological. Yeah. And so you're- Well, yeah, it, yeah, until you get into the major minor prophets, then it gets a little squirreling, because you got to figure out, yeah, which are you a major prophet, minor prophet, and when were you? And yeah, right. once you read First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, you, you kind of figure out the history. But uh, yeah, believe me, that's a two-semester course in Bible college, and it's not fun. <laughs> it's not the fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, critical introduction to the Old Testament. Wow, there's a lot going on there. But well, I think what's really interesting about it is this, is that, you know, verse five, let's go back to that. He, he basically says, look, there was a tremendous amount of pressure in order to get people believing in Jesus to convert to Judaism. And I think there's two reasons for that. Scholars uh, point out that Paul and Barnabas could have taken the Roman road, the Via Appia, up through uh, in uh, towards Greece and uh, modern-day Turkey, but they chose not to. They chose to sail. So they set sail from Antioch, they went over the island of Cyprus, and then they kind of came up from the southern edge of Anatolia, which led into Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And what's really fascinating about that is they believe he did that because of the warm reception from Jewish communities that they were receiving. Hmm. So it's kind of like, well, let's go this way because we know people and they, they'll know us and they know people we know. And you could go in and you could teach in the synagogue. You'd have a place to stay. You know, people would feed you, take care of you. You know, it's like a closed community. And so that's how they started. And then so there was a strong initial Jewish uh, beginning to the new faith in these regions. But right after that, a whole nother group of people, and we believe these were Pharisees who uh, professed to follow Christ in Jerusalem, and then they decided to go and start teaching these things. So that really created quite a problem. And they were spying on Paul. It's really interesting how he says they were spying on the freedom that we had in Christ. Mm. And so it's really interesting why verse five is so important because he says, we did not give in to them for a moment. And so I, I thought that's really good is that because he understood his mission and his purpose, right? In chapter one, now we get to chapter two and we realize, wow, this is why you never want to forget your mission because it allows you to stand strong. Absolutely. Well, do you want to move on to the other five verses? Yeah, let's jump into that. Why don't you read those and we'll go through verse 10. Okay, so verse six, as for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. 
On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, which Cephas is Peter, right? Yes, yes. Um, That's a trivia question. I learned that recently, so. Yeah, Um, yeah. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. Yes. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to be circumcised, and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Yeah. So what we see here is a couple of very important things, and that is, is first of all, Paul says, that uh, Peter, James, and John all concurred with the content of his message. So that's very important. And then in Acts chapter 15, we actually see a letter that verifies this written by the apostles. Mm. Number two, he says, uh, earlier on, he said uh, he brought a Greek with him, Titus, which is one of the letters that Paul wrote is in the New Testament, the book of Titus. He's pastoring a church and Paul writes to him. It's one of the pastoral epistles. And so what happens is uh, Titus was Greek and he had no sense or feeling to get circumcised, which that's pretty important. And then they realize, look, the message of Christ has been entrusted to different people to be taken to different groups. And so that's pretty significant point right there. And then what he did is he really addresses one of the main criticisms of the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were doing this thing that has happened for thousands of years. It's going on today like never before. And that is, well, if you don't do what we say, then you don't really care about people. Mm. Well, if you don't do what we say, then you don't love people. And what that is, is that's a force, uh, an approach of manipulation. Well, if you loved people, then you'd do this, you know, And uh, this happens in marriages all the time, particularly when they're unhealthy. You know, one spouse will say, well, if you'd love me, you'd do such and such, not realizing that they're just manipulating. They're not trying to love in any way, shape or form. And so that's what was going on and saying, well, if you're not Jewish, then you don't care about poor people because we know that only Jewish people care about poor people. Well, (laughs) that, of course, in and of itself is debatable. But the real truth of the matter is, is that what we're doing is we're preaching the pure gospel and it's causing an even greater concern for the things that God is ultimately concerned about. And so I think there's some real significant points in the second thing and and how he doesn't uh, bend in any way, shape or form to being pressured into what to teach or what to believe. And I think that's really critically important for people to understand. Well, and I like the part in verse six, he talks about, you know, those that were so held in high, high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. He's like, God doesn't show favoritism. They don't add anything to my message. I love that part where it's like, you don't have to be a Pharisee or some high ranking official to go and preach the gospel. It's like, he's like, the gospel is the gospel and we're all out just to share it. And I love that part. Yeah, that is, that is really good. And, and then he says, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with this task. 
So they affirmed him and they uh, encouraged him, which is really important to understand because in the next week, Paul and Peter are in the same town together in the same church. And Paul publicly rebukes the apostle Peter. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, that is something else. Yeah, you're going to, you know, the Peter of all people. Well, so it just shows you how things work in the church. You know, there's every, uh, everybody's under accountability and we're under the accountability of the truth. And why that's so significant to me is because it allows us to be people of God. You know, it allows us, number one, to have a certain humility. You know, we have a humility about us and that is, Everything that we teach and is is submitted to the authority of Christ. It's submitted to the authority of the scriptures. And so that's very, very important to understand. The second thing is, is that because we have that humility, we're able to stand strong. I think one of the struggles that the church has had today is when you actually look at the data, not what people say or what people write about, but when you look at the actual data, what you see is that the church has spent the last 30 years trying to be uh, really relevant, particularly among younger generations. And the thought was this, is that, well, if we don't reach the younger generations, then, you know, the church in America isn't going to do as well. And so uh, I agree with the notion that we should do everything we can in order to reach younger generations, all generations, for the gospel. That's true. The issue is, is how do you do that? And I think what has happened is that the church, uh, in some ways, adopted a celebrity culture. It's like, well, young people are really enamored by celebrities. So we're going to find people who may not understand the content of the gospel and its real power for the person. We're going we're gonna to make it look cooler than it's ever been before. And so we did that. And then what happened is all these people, when the storm came, found their faith was built on the sand. Mm. And it, their faith was just shipwrecked. Mm. And so uh, COVID has exposed that. And I think what's happening is it's really helped people understand how we need to take the truth of the gospel and apply it very specifically to the lives of young people. You know, young people, you know, I'm very concerned about them because they are more lost. They have more anxiety. They have more emptiness. They lack meaning more than anybody else in any generation that they've ever charted this in America. And the question is, why is that? Well, we'll talk a little bit more on Thursday about that and dig into that. But I think the problem is, is that the church has stopped preaching the purity of the message of Jesus Christ. And nobody wants to tell these young people that your life is tainted by sin and it taints what you feel, it taints what you think, and it taints. Now, that doesn't mean you ultimately are a bad person, but it certainly means you can do bad things, right. and it certainly means you're not perfect. And if you don't deal with this, if, you're, if these things are not redeemed, they will destroy your life. And so that's what the power of the gospel is, is salvation. 
And so what young people are doing today is they feel that they don't need to be saved from anything. And that's what's interesting is because their society has convinced them, and this is what the lie is, believe whatever you want. You know, believe whatever you want about your identity. Believe whatever you want about your sexuality. Believe whatever you want about your relationships in whatever form you want. Believe whatever you want about your gender. You know, it doesn't matter. These things are all socially constructed anyway. And what ends up happening is what people don't realize who believe this is they are choosing not to believe something else. And what they're choosing not to believe is that their life matters and that their decisions matter. And what they do believe about themselves is one of the most important things about themselves. And so when you choose not to believe those things, they have dramatic results in your life. And we're witnessing it today. We're witnessing the destruction of young people like never before. Well, and I think, I, I like to think about it. It's like, you know, the, the church just, just started, these celebrity churches started kind of diluting the truth. Like, oh, yeah. we'll just, we'll just give, you know, partial or we'll, you know, we'll water it down a little bit. So it's a little cooler, a little more inclusive or whatever. And so it's like, it just keeps getting diluted further and further and further. And so then when they really needed it, they realized, oh, all I have is this diluted form of faith and truth rather than the full high octane get you through whatever storm, whatever yes. pandemic kind of faith and truth that you need. Well, it's really interesting because the principle of forgiveness works this way. That, that's what's really fascinating is this, is that everybody knows when you forgive, right? You're, you feel so much better. Forgiveness is key to emotional and mental health. Forgiveness is key for men who want to be successful. You know, men who are the most successful in business are men who've learned how to forgive. They, they just let go of the past. They let go of failures. They let go of that stuff. And they just keep marching forward into the future. You know, the last play was the last play. It's dead and gone. You know, focus right. on the next play. It doesn't matter if I threw an interception in the last play, keep going. So that's called high octane faith. And, and men who figure this out are high octane succeeders in the world, uh, high octane achievers. And what's really interesting is in forgiveness, though, this is what's really fascinating. No one wants to do it. <laughs> everybody knows it's good for you because nobody wants to do it. And the reason why we don't want to do it is because we have a sense of justice. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. what was done was wrong. And I don't want to let that person off the hook for their sin against me, which that's a good sense of justice. So how does Jesus get you to do something you don't want to do when you know it's the best thing in the world for you? He simply says, if you can't forgive, your father can't forgive you. Mm. See, see, that's so powerful because I run into young people all the time and, and um, I listen to a lot of these uh, celebrity preachers and stuff because my goal is not to criticize them. It's to try to find, you know, the truth of the gospel that they're sharing, build on that, encourage them as much as possible. But what I have found over and over again is that many, many young people in these celebrity churches they believe that Jesus Christ has come to save them from their problems. Hmm. See, well, the reason why uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior is because he's my watchdog. 
He's my guardian. He's supposed to save me from bad things happening to me. He's going to save me from dating guys that are toxic. He's going to save me from dating a girl who, you know, uh, isn't covenantal in her orientation towards relationships. It's going to save me from bad bosses. It's going to save me from this, this, and this, and the list goes on and on and on. So what happens is when you think that way, what you start to do is something subconscious. And that is anytime anything bad happens to me, it's not my fault, not my fault at all. It's the world's fault or it's God's fault. You see, I have people come in and uh, here's a story for you that I still to this day um, am not aware of it, but this girl came in, her heart was broken. I, I just wanted to weep for her because she, her heart was so broken this man that she was with had abandoned her, had used her. And, and so I asked her, I said, well, why did you get involved with this guy? And she goes, well, I saw red flags, but I believe God wanted me to. And I said, even though he wasn't a Christian, yes. And so, okay, well, and then I started sleeping with him and having sex with him. Why? Well, I didn't want to lose him. And I felt God would forgive me for that. And I was like, okay. I can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he asks her to move in with him. And then he asks her, they're in college. He asks her to quit school and support him while he goes through college. And then when he graduates, guess what? When she's out, he says, hey, as a celebration, go on a little trip with some girlfriends. He moves out and leaves her so he could go off to graduate school. He just used her. Oh. And now her heart was broken. And she looks at me with tear-filled eyes and go, why did God do this to me? Mm. And I was, I, I, I didn't, I mean, I just said, I'm sorry, sister, but you need to hear the truth. And that is God didn't do this to you. You did this to you. And see, young people don't want to be told that anymore. They don't want to hear that. But when you choose not to hear that truth, when you choose to ignore the truth of the gospel, then you miss on the power of redemption. You see, you miss the transformative power of the salvation of Jesus Christ. When you realize and begin with the fact that Jesus didn't come to save me from my problems, he came to save me because I am a sinner. As Paul said, the foremost of all. When it starts there, then that opens up the transformational power of redemption. That's when marriages are saved. That's when human souls are healed. That's when relationships are restored. That's when businesses and families and neighborhoods and communities are healed because people have the peace of God in their life. Not some God didn't do what I wanted mentality and entitlement mentality. They have an, an attitude of gratitude which is one of the most important things to have if you want to be happy in life, you see? And so that's what's the beauty of the truth of the gospel has for us. And that's why Paul is so adamant. Do not let anyone pervert the gospel. And if they do, let the curse of God be upon them. And Paul's salty, but that's He's good. salty. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the Bible study portion of our first episode of 2021. 
Um, we're really excited you guys are here with us. Make sure you join us on Thursday. We're going to dive into how this is kind of playing out in our culture these days. Yes. And then obviously tune in on Sunday to listen to Pastor Harv wrap it all up. So thank you yes. guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday. All right. God bless you and have a happy new year.